0: Father, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Why are you here? You ever think about that? What what are you doing here tonight? I know you can't be Catholic because Notre Dame's playing on television at 7. Why are you here? You know, each of us is here tonight for a different reason. Some of us came because, well, I'm a pastor. What else do you do on a Christmas Eve? Besides, this is what they pay me for, right? Some of you came out of tradition. After all, you always go to church on Christmas Eve and Easter and Thanksgiving and an occasional wedding and funeral. Some of you are here out of habit. You are a part of this church family known as First Lutheran Church. Some of you may be here because a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse begged you to come. Some of you felt a little bit pressured to be here, and you really don't want to be here, but you kind of felt obligated. It was the Christmas thing to do. Well, to be quite honest, I really don't care what got you here. I'm going to tell you this, you did not get here by accident. Before you were ever born, before this world ever came into existence, God knew that you would be here, First Lutheran Church, Texarkana, Texas, Christmas 2008, and he's got a reason for you to be here whether you know it yet or not. The reason you are here, I believe, is because He wants to light up your life in a way that you never, ever thought possible before. He literally wants to lift the dark clouds that surround your life. That's my goal for tonight's message. The goal that God would shine his Christmas light, L-I-G-H-T, on you, and that you don't walk away here just having done Christmas L I T E Christmas light. I hope and pray that you will walk away understanding him more than you've ever stood understood him before. That maybe this Christmas will be just a little bit different than any other Christmas you've experienced. This last week, one Christian News Service issued a poll. I found it kind of interesting. The poll showed that nearly ninety percent of people in America know why we celebrate Christmas. And about 90% could actually tell you what happened at Christmas. And I don't know whether that's true or not. But I'm not here to ask you your opinion on that poll. I'm going to ask you a slightly different question. The question is whether or not you know why we celebrate Christmas or what happened at Christmas. I want to know from you, do you know why Jesus came? And do you know what? Jesus came to do. Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, because once you understand why Jesus came and what Jesus came to do, I'm going to suggest you you get pretty excited about Christmas. You really do. And not only that, I would suggest that if you really kind of understand Christmas, you're going to say, I want to love this Jesus even more. I want to know him more. I want to trust him more. Because there are at least five good reasons why he came to earth. And every last reason Jesus came to earth had you in mind. You know that if no one else had ever been born into this world, God would have still sent Jesus at Christmas for you. Now I know we can all do Christmas light. You know what Christmas light is, don't you? The L-I-T-E. That's kind of going through the motions without any emotions. It's putting up the tree and, oh, maybe putting an angel at the top of the tree and buying some presents and doing the Santa Claus thing and the cookies and, you know, holding the candle and sitting in the dark and singing Silent Night and and then kind of going back to your life like nothing really ever happened 2,000 years ago, let alone the night before. That's kind of Christmas light. Well, I want you to remember this, so I've taken the other word, light, L-I-G-H-T, and turned it into kind of an acrostic. You can kind of follow along in your message outline, L-I-G-H-T, and I want to give you five reasons why Jesus came to this earth. I'm going to go through these pretty quick, I'm not going to go into them very deeply tonight, but there are plenty of Bible passages for you to look at and for you to think about. When I think about the letter L, and I'm going to finish this question, this statement, Jesus came to earth to dot, dot, dot. Well, when I think about that letter L, I think about and I remember that Jesus came to earth to light up your life and to let you know what God is like. Do you know that Jesus came to this earth to light up your life? It wasn't Debbie Boone who came to, I want to light up your life. It was Jesus who came to light up your life. Now, I've had all kinds of people in my life, both as a pastor, as a teacher, and as a basketball coach, who've who've asked me questions about God. And they, they always said, I'd really like to know what God is like. And I always tell them, just read the Word. Because once you know what Jesus is like, you know what God is like. In John, it says, I have come as a light to shine the dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in darkness. Everything is opened up. You know what God is like. I think about that letter I. Jesus came to earth to inform us. You know, Jesus came and he came to inform us about a plan and a purpose that God has for our life. A number of years ago, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. One of the best sellers beyond the Bible in years. Why did so many people want to buy that book? I bought a copy. I was interested because I was interested in what my purpose was in life. I should have saved my money. Because my purpose is described in this book. In John chapter 18, Jesus said, I came to tell you the truth. You know, a lot of people will talk to you. A lot of people will share their opinions with you. But a lot of people, they're just kind of blowing smoke. They're telling you what you want to hear. They're not telling you the truth. Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. Some of it you won't like. Some of it you're going to love. Part of the truth is that you're an evil, wicked, bad, and nasty sinner. That's who you are. But at the same time, he says, I still love you. I love you more than you could possibly ever imagine. You know, Jesus cannot love you any more or any less than he does right now. So I love you. That's why I came into this world. I want to show you that there's a purpose and a plan for your life. L-I-G, the G, Jesus came into this world to guard and guide your steps. One of the other great light passages comes from, uh, from John 8, verse 12, where Jesus himself says, I'm the light of the world. He said, if you follow me, you don't go stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. How many of you would like to know a guaranteed way to make the year 2009 go smoothly? Anybody? Any takers? Man, the rest of you guys have all figured it out. Or are you sleeping? Let me ask the question again. Maybe you didn't understand me. I want to give you a personal guarantee. How many people would like a, a, a stone-cold lead pipe lock on a good year in 2009? Okay, there you go. My kids finally got their hands in the air. Here's the lead pipe stone-cold lock, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and guess what? He'll straighten out 2009. He'll even start tonight with 2008 and finish it up. I don't care what kind of disaster is going on. I don't care whether you lost your job or lost a spouse or or, or lost somebody who, who went to heaven to be with Jesus. I don't care about the economy. Jesus says, I can still make your life smooth absolute you know every promise has a premise the promise is, i'll straighten out your life i want to guard you i want to guide you but every promise has a premise and the premise is to do what trust god don't lean on your understanding don't be trying to do it all by yourself maybe that was what some of you were doing out there you wouldn't raise your hand because you know you're self-sufficient i got something for you tonight good luck good luck self-sufficient people Good luck. Sorry, that's all I got for you. Jesus wants to guard your life. He wants to guide your life. He wants to make your life straightened out. The H reminds me that Jesus came to heal your hurts. Psalm 103 says he forgives all my sins. He heals my diseases. You know, the biggest hurt any of you have is the hurt that's caused by sin. It's fractured relationships. It has kept you away from other people. It's created in you what a former teaching companion of mine called stinking thinking. It's where you are like cement, all mixed up and set in your ways. It's where you know absolutely positively what you know and believe, but absolutely positively don't know what God's word has to say. God says, "I want to heal you from that. I, I want to, I want to, I want to come and give you the mind of Christ." To which one of the people in the room said, "Wow, that's real healing." You know, we look upon death as being something terrible, but you know, for the believer, it's not. That's ultimate healing. The T says Jesus came to earth to transform our lives. Second Corinthians says when anyone becomes a Christian, when you step across the line, when you, you say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, you become a brand new person inside. You're not the same anymore. Did you ever meet anybody like that? Do you ever know somebody who was going one direction? I mean, they were, they were, they were on a fast track to hell. But the next time you saw them, they were on the road to heaven. And you probably looked at them and go, what happened? And they said, somewhere along the way, I met Jesus. Light shined in my life. I'm a brand new person. You know, as we exit the year 2008 and we enter 2009, I'm sure that there are some things that you would like to change in your life. I'm positive there are some things you want to change in your life because I know that there are some things I would dearly love to change in my life. I'm going to let you in on another little secret. You don't need any more self-help books. You don't need any more self-help CDs. All you need to change is a Savior. It is flat-out amazing to me that at the first Christmas, the wise men saw this star shining brightly in the sky, and they followed it all the way from the east, wherever they were, all the way to the west, looking for Jesus. Now, for 2,000 years or more, astronomers have been trying to figure out what was that great light that they saw? Was that Halley's Comet? Was that a meteorite? Was that an asteroid? You know, after 2,000 years, they still don't know. But the one thing is, obviously, everybody saw it. I mean, nowhere in the Bible does it say that the wise men were the only ones who saw that star. Everybody saw it, but not everybody did anything about it. They saw the light, but they chose to just sit there. The wise men, on the other hand, saw the light and followed it all the way to Jesus. I think that's why we call them wise men. They followed the light. How wise are you, friends? Would you consider yourself to be a wise man, a wise woman? It is one thing to know that Jesus is the light of the world, however you want to spell it. It's another thing to let him light up your life. You've got to choose to have that light and choose to live in that light. I watched the Bears and the Packers the other night. We just moved down here from Chicago about nine months ago. Oh, I was so happy we moved down here. I walked over here today. It was warm. I had a short-sleeved shirt on. Oh, happy day. But I never gave a thought that the reason was because of the sun. You know, tomorrow morning, God willing, you're going to wake up. And chances are, you may go outside. It's supposed to be a relatively nice day tomorrow. You probably won't think too much about the sun either. You know it's going to come up, and you kind of take it for granted. But you know, without light, there would be no warmth in Texarkana or in this world. Without light, there would be no color, because it all comes from light. There wouldn't be any beauty in this world. There wouldn't be any growth. There wouldn't be any health. There wouldn't be any life. Why? Because physically, you cannot live without light. But you can't live spiritually either without spiritual light. If you don't have God's light, L-I-G-H-T, Jesus, in your life, you are spiritually dead. You need to come alive with God's light. And when you let that light of Christ in your life, you're guided, you're comforted by it, you're challenged by it, you're changed by it me ask you one more question kind of a personal question which is more I choose my words correctly here because I sometimes when I use this word people pick on me for it I use it anyway which is more stupid just more stupid the child who's afraid of the dark or the grown-up who's afraid of the light which of those is more foolish the child who's afraid of the dark or an adult who's afraid of the light. I spent 40-some years in the ministry, and I've run into a few people from time to time who, when I've challenged them to step into the light of Jesus, have said something like this, Oh, not me. I, I, I'm not giving my life to Jesus. You're kind of crazy there. I mean, the minute I do that, he's going to turn me into some nutcase. I'm going to be some Jesus freak. I'm going to be some right-wing religious goofball nut. Well, friends, God is not going to make you a nut. There are plenty of them in the world already he does not need anymore. But when you come to Jesus, I don't care how it happens, whether it comes at baptism, whether it comes as you walk the aisle, whether you pray in a worship service, however it comes, and you open your life to him, he does not make you crazy. He just makes you fully alive. When Jesus comes in your life, he makes you what he created you to be. He makes you what he wired you up to be. That's his purpose. He wants you to be the very best that you can be the way he made you. What will happen if you open your life up to Christ? This is what the Bible says. The darkness in our lives disappears and the light of Christ shines in. Do you ever lift up a rock or a log? You see stuff run? That's because that ugly stuff likes to hide in the dark. But when it's exposed to the light, it can't stand it. That's all God wants to do. He just wants to kind of lift up the rock of your life and chase all of that goofy stuff out and clean up your life. John also says, when anyone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person. You know, one of the ironic things about Christmas to me is that some people celebrate Christmas year after year after year after year after year and never open God's Christmas present to them. What's God's Christmas present? It's called Christmas salvation I wonder what if I gave you a gift Joseph and a year from now I asked you how would you like the present I gave you and you looked at me and said pastor I guess I liked it but I just haven't had time to open it yet that would be kind of silly too friends God's got a gift for every last one of you It's called a new life. It's called an abundant life. It's called an eternal life. And you can have it right now. Let's pray. Lord, you say where there is humility, grace abounds. So we contemplate our Savior who gave himself as the least of men out of his love for us. He lived a perfect life. He gave a perfect sacrifice on the perfect tree. Lord, may we walk humbly in his footsteps and be blessed by his grace and the fullness of his love. Lord, shine your light not only on us, but in us and through us. In the name of Jesus, who is the light of the world, amen.